give the attendees a second to log in. All right, hello everyone. I'm Rachel Zabonik-Chanko, Editor-in-Chief of Club Solutions Magazine, and welcome to our monthly virtual thought leadership series. This session is sponsored by IntelliVideo and will surround the topic of digital and virtual revenue streams. Um, we've curated a really awesome panel for you all today, including Scott Gillespie, the owner and president of Sacco Sport and Fitness, Greg Maurer, the vice president of fitness at Workout Anytime, Landon Burningham, the founder, president, and CEO of Physique Fitness, uh, Mary Edwards, the fitness director and professional fitness trainer at Cooper Fitness Center, and Tiffany Marie, the owner of Trampoline Trim. Um, if you have any questions during this discussion, please feel free to put those in the Q&A section and we'll get to as many as we can. Um, I highly encourage you to ask questions. This is really your time to ask any and all questions that you may have surrounding virtual fitness, digital revenue streams. So don't miss out on your opportunity. Go ahead and ask those questions if you have them. All right, panel, could each of you tell me a little bit more about your clubs, yourself, um, how many locations you have, and then, yeah, just share what digital and virtual offerings you have. Landon, let's go ahead and start with you. Yes, hi, everyone. Really excited to be here with such a great panel of people. Uh, we have four locations. We're located in uh, the Willamette Valley in Oregon. Um, so we're still under a pretty good lockdown here, uh, and virtual has become a, a big part of our business. So with four locations that range from 8,000 square feet to uh, 30 plus thousand square feet, we've seen the need for a virtual offering, whether it be video on demand, where we're offering um, both group fitness classes and continuing education, um, also virtual personal training that we that we do both. Uh, that we merge with our, our live training at the clubs. And then as well as uh, our new product that we've done, which is our virtual um, fitness challenges. And that's really become my favorite part personally. So that's a little bit about me. Awesome, I'm excited to hear more about those virtual fitness challenges later on. All right, Tiffany, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, hey, I am Tiffany Marie. I'm the founder and owner of Trampoline Trim. We're located in Los Angeles, California, uh, Sherman Oaks to be exact. Um, Trampoline Tram has been around since 2018, so we're a fairly new business, small business, woman-owned, Black-owned, very proud of that. Um, currently, we are offering virtual fitness, both small group fitness as well as private training. And like Landon said, we are kind of merging that virtual and live in-person now that California has opened gyms back up and allowed people to come back in. Um, so there's some excitement around that energy that I'm able to give to the client virtually versus that in-person interaction as well. So, yeah. Awesome. So congrats again on, you know, being able to reopen in California. All right, Greg, go ahead and introduce yourself. Guys, I'm Greg Moore. I'm the vice president of fitness and education for work at Anytime Franchising. We have about 170 clubs. Uh, we plan to open another 25 this year that are already in the pipe. Uh, we fared very well because through this uh, very difficult time because we are located primarily in the southeast and uh, all the southeastern states along with Texas, some, some outliers, but obviously we were not shut down nearly as much. We are an HVLP brand, and I think for this discussion, that's important to keep that in mind when you hear my commentary because what applies to me does not necessarily apply to you. It depends on your model, right? So as our typical club is 8,000 square feet, 
we have group, but it's not a dedicated area. So we're, we're a typical HVLP club in that regard. We have some unique attributes. And so our virtual offerings center around a connected app and all the cool things that you can do with that app from creating your own workouts, there's preset workouts to um, things like video on demand through a partnership with um, uh, Virtua Gym who is our app company and also fitness on demand and then a connected coaches app. So most of our, our virtual offerings center around the app, which makes it easy. It is integrated with ABC Financial, who is our provider. And I'll talk about this later. I think that's really important because you have to be able to promote, sell, book. You have to be able to do everything and you have to keep track of everything, which is one of the most challenging things when you have 170 clubs inputting into this and where does the revenue go and all that good stuff. And I'll get into more of the depth of each of the offerings as we as we come up. We do have virtual um, PT and virtual group, depending on the location that, that, we're, that you're involved with. Yeah, awesome, thanks, Greg. All right, Mary. Hi, I'm Mary Edwards. I am fitness director and professional trainer at Cooper Fitness Center in Dallas. Uh, we were founded in 1970. We are a standalone club, part of a larger campus that revolves around health and wellness. Uh, we were founded by Dr. Kenneth H. Cooper, who coined the term aerobics and is the father of aerobics. So we have a deep history here. Um, a lot That said, a lot of our members are probably more in the mature adult population because they have followed Dr. Cooper along the way. They know who he is and they value uh, just the mission of our facility and what we do here. Um, we have been open since last May. We were only closed for eight weeks last year. Um, and we pivoted immediately um, to use Zoom for virtual PT as well as virtual small group training. Uh, we are still using Zoom and or FaceTime to this day. Um, and then in our small group training program, we're starting to merge both live and in person, just like Tiffany is, uh, because we still have people that don't want to return, but we have people that do, and they all want to take the same class. So we're trying to kind of accommodate those offerings as we uh, move forward. So. Look forward to just talking through um, kind of what we're doing here. We are probably a little different. We've got a lot of space on our campus and we're using that to the best of our ability, but I'm happy just to share what we do and hopefully kind of spawn some ideas along the way. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much, Mary. All right, Scott. Uh, we're a 30-year-old mid-market single club uh, in Southern Maine. Uh, we uh, are programming-based and think of ourselves as an outcome-based health club as such. We are programming rich um, with a pretty significant sales funnel that guides people into all these programs. Uh, Pre-COVID, we were guiding 55% of our new members into paid programming. We think of paid programming as the means of healthy habit adoption and membership as the maintenance program. Uh, so the programs include group exercise, uh, significant co uh, contributor for us, about 40% of our visits pre-COVID, small group training, personal training, we also have a preventative care practice with nutrition. We employ two full-time registered dietitians and have gone through the accreditation process of billing insurance for their services, which are delivered in two ways, uh, individually as well as in a group. Um, from a virtual perspective, we, we were closed for three months. And when we reopened, we were limited to only 50 people in a almost 30,000 square foot building. So as you can imagine, that dramatically inhibited our programming where we would have three full classes serving 100 plus people at one time. We can now only have one class serving 20 people at a time. 
And so virtual was key for us. Uh, so we live, we, during COVID when closure, we were streaming from uh, instructors' basements. We now live stream every class um, and live stream accounts for about 30% of all of our group exercise visits. We are virtual programming for personal training, for small group training, and in the preventative care world, almost all of our individual and group co classes went to telemedicine. So we are able to still bill insurance for one-on-one -on -one coaching for nutrition, as well as group coaching for nutrition. Awesome, thanks, Scott. Yeah, we've got like a really wide perspective on this panel. So hopefully attendees, if you're listening um, over the course of the next hour, no matter what your business model or size is, um, you'll hopefully get a few tidbits that'll be really helpful. So I'm gonna go ahead and dive in. Um, and I, I really wanna start with, you know, how important is it for operators to be thinking about incorporating virtual, virtual and digital offerings into their business model um, moving forward if they haven't already? Um, Scott, do you want to go ahead and start with sure. start us off? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think it really has to do with the business model um, that the business has. Do they, Does it fit with them? I think in general, the answer is pretty solid yes. Um, I think we've learned not only did it serve the need during closure, but as more and more people slowly come back and they take less virtual classes, they still are sharing with us their joy or their their ability to take a convenient class at home without having to drive to the club they love the in-club experience but the convenience of having one uh, experience outside the club is still valuable to them likewise with personal training and small group training uh, from a telemedicine perspective um, it's also very helpful because some people again don't want to come to a fitness center or a gym if they're concerned about how comfortable they'd be there so telemedicine is a way in and I also believe that virtual might be an avenue for us to attract a new kind of client that we struggled to serve previously. Um, so from our perspective, the answer is yes, but I do believe there are models out there where it may not fit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Tiffany, what are your thoughts? Um, I know that you guys pivoted pretty quickly to virtual when you first shut down, right? Absolutely. Um, from my perspective, um, there's been a change in perspective as far as how we interact with the client, right? So I feel like as a business owner and as someone who provides a service to the community, it's a lot about what the community needs, right? So I, I, I the answer to the absolute that you put it to the virtual world at this point because it still allows that client, the, the client, the opportunity to connect with you, to get in that moment and that time to kind of connect with themselves, get that workout in. So for Trampoline Champ, it was very, very important to go from brick and mortar in person, shifting over to a virtual platform. Um, because at the end of the day, that's the way that the world is going. So it's kind of like you got to roll with the punches, essentially. So at the, at the end of the day, it's connecting with the client and giving that client what they need based on what I have to offer. So my answer yeah. Yeah, awesome. All right, Mary, what are your thoughts? You know, I, I think it's a necessary evil at this point in time. Um, I, I speak from a different perspective. Our personal training department is extremely successful and we were very successful with just normal in-person training sessions before all this started. Our reason in pivoting was to obviously generate revenue and kind of keep our, our fitness center afloat when we were closed. Um, you know, now moving forward, will it be a main source of our revenue generation? The answer to that is no. The answer will be in-person and live personal training. 
Um, surprisingly, so we have a lot of more mature adults that they were the first ones back in our club because they realized that the need to maintain health and wellness was imperative and that that was their space to do it. And they were coming back no matter what, not vaccinated. I'm wearing a mask. I'm good with all of it. Um, but they were back in as soon as our doors were open. So what we've learned since last May is that we are able to still service a kind of portion of our population through virtual training, virtual PT, one-on-one, -on -one, and that could even include partner training with a trainer, and then also small group training. Um, we are offering still online virtual group exercise classes through Wexer. That was something that we launched pretty quickly uh, just to service those members that were not working with personal trainers. So it's definitely feeding our facility from a revenue standpoint. Um, we're probably doing about 30,000 a month in either virtual or more private based one on one personal training where we've pulled that member and client from the facility to a different area within our um, campus. So I'm a firm believer in it. I'm, I'm also a believer that people will eventually want that once this settles, want to return to a an, an arena where they can be socialized and obviously feed off of the positive experience of others. Um, I, I believe our, our leadership does too, that people will come back to our club. Um, that doesn't mean that we'll shut down the offering though. I think it will continue to live, but I don't think that's where we make the majority of our revenue moving forward. So yeah. unique experience, um, unique, unique perspective on our end. Yeah. Greg, what about you? What are your thoughts? I think it's absolutely a must have now. The question is, what does that look like for your model, right? So let's say Tiffany, a studio type model in my mind, I'm getting the feeling where programming is who you are or Scott, that's who you are versus us on the other end, right? HDLP, very different. I believe that the consumer, it is now an expectation. It has gone from nice to have to, they're going to look at you and go, what do you mean you don't have that? I mean, I'm paying you for personal training. Why can't I do that at home? Why can't I do both? Right. And I, I think of it this way. We know that the single biggest predictor of our client's success is how many workouts they do a week. If we had to pick one thing, there's a million things, right? Lifestyle, diet. But if we had to pick one thing which we can measure and relate that to the success of our clients, I'm pretty sure if you all think about this, you'll agree with me. That's one simple measure that determines. it. I know in our model, a great attender attends 1.25 times a week. They may, they may go steady all the time, but then what happens is they miss weeks at a time, right? I'm sick. My dog ate my homework. I'm on vacation, da, 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 right? So can we get them from one or two workouts to three? How big a deal is that? Wow, that's a huge deal. So it's not either or. I think that's the mistake. I agree completely with Mary. They're coming back. I got interviewed by the Times. Are they coming back? They can't wait to come back. Mm -hmm. we, the people that are left standing this summer, I believe, I'll go on the record. We are going to crush it. We're going to have one of the best years. With, because they, you can't, this is not the same as walking through the doors. It's never going to be. But I think the mistake is saying in your mind, well, I don't need that because they're coming back. No. Uh, mm -hmm. You think we're going to stop using Zoom because we're all vaccinated? I'm not. <laughs> we are never going to go back to the same way we did business. Uh, we won't. We won't travel as much because we have learned, you know what? It's not the same, but boy, I can get a lot done this way. So I think, I think you have to think of it that way and then consider, 
again, what's your model to Scott's point and what makes sense for your customer and your model? Yeah, I think it's a good point. And, you know, even prior to COVID, you know, members were already using virtual training offerings, mobile apps, watching YouTube videos um, for fitness. It's now the question of like, is that something your, your club that makes sense for you to provide as well? Well, Scott said something too, and I, I just wrote an article on this in LinkedIn because it hit me one night. What if, what if clubs, for example, said, I want to get the 80% that we are not tapping into, right? Why aren't they coming in? Let's be honest, they're not, com- in their mind, they're not comfortable coming in. It, it's really that simple. We have to admit that. It doesn't matter what we think is true. What matters is why are the 80% and we've never dented that number, right? What if you offered a virtual only membership to Scott's point as an onboarding acquisition strategy? I'm going to get you comfortable. I'm going to give you a little coaching in your home. I mean, how many times do we have to hear people say, I'm going to I'm going to do this after I lose some weight. What are they saying? I am not comfortable coming into the club yet, right? So I I think we really have to open our minds a little bit and say, like Scott did, say, hey, what if we thought of this in a different way? Because there's not one way to to spin it. Certainly. Yeah, I want to come back around to the – oh, sorry, Scott, go ahead. Oh, I just want to build on something because this is why a panel is so great because one idea can lead to another can lead to another. Um, And Greg picking up on this concept of using virtual as a new product line to serve that percentage of people that we haven't served. I want to add a twist to that. Think about our industry's penetration rate. We're only serving 20-ish percent of the population. That's 60 plus million people, right? We arguably lose somewhere between 28 and 38 percent of those people each year, depending upon what report you look at. But that's roughly 30-ish percent, call it a third of our members, are quitting. They're leaving our club every year. Now, a small percentage are going to another club or moving or relocating, but the vast majority are leaving because we didn't give them what they came for, right? And so think about this new product line that gives them something different. It's similar product to what we had, but it's delivered in a different way, packaged in a way that they might be willing to try. And if it's aligned with support systems like training or classes or guidance or things that are going to help them overcome that hurdle of healthy habit adoption, then, oh, my God, we could be onto something really major. Um, So I love that comment, Greg. Agreed. Yeah, I want to come back to the virtual um, only memberships and talk about that a little little bit. But before I do, Landon, what are your thoughts on, you know, if clubs should be thinking about um, incorporating digital and virtual offerings if they haven't already? Yeah, I, I agree with everything that everyone said. You know, Greg, I think you hit the nail on the head. I don't think it's a matter of, you know, if you offer virtual, it's a matter of what type of virtual you offer. And I, I think you see that with Apple going so heavy in the fitness industry now and and you know, that to me is a sure sign of that fitness is, is going virtual in some way or the other. And I agree with you too, Greg, you know, one of the big things we talked with our leadership team is how do we approach all the people that aren't comfortable coming back into the gym? You know, uh, Scott, you mentioned uh, during kind of our, our pre-panel talk that, you know, people are getting more comfortable coming and the more comfortable they're getting is a lot of it's attributed to the vaccination rate. And I think that we look at too, as people get vaccinated, they're going to be more comfortable coming to the gym there's always going to be those people that are scared to come. That's why we only attract in Oregon, 22% of our population that belong to a health club. Why don't they come? They're not comfortable. They're scared. We fight that stigma of being dirty, whatever it may be. Right. But additionally, we also see that the people that do belong to a health club, 
in Oregon, only you know, 22% of our population belong, but only 19% of our population are physically active. So that tells you the people you, that belong to a club aren't even necessarily utilizing it. So how do we get people to utilize our health club? You know, again, Greg, to your point, so that they stay longer. Because if they're not getting results and they're not using our amenities, they're going to go somewhere else to do it. So how can we, you know, break into their living rooms and do so on their time? Um, because that's really what matters is, is it convenient for them? Does it match their time? Does it match their kid's schedule, their work schedule, or even their travel schedule? You know, when people do go back to work and they're traveling again, I want to be that resource. They take that group fitness class from in their hotel room or where they meet with their trainer, regardless of if they're in the hotel across the country or they're at my club. We want to be the thing they're engaging with, not Apple Fitness, not Peloton. We want it to be our brand. Certainly. Well, um, do any of you have a virtual only membership offering right now? Raise your hand if you do. We're working on it. Okay. Same here. We're, we're, you know, that's, that, that's on the table and, you know, you have to, there's a lot of moving parts when you have a big network to doing anything new. And I've learned the hard way. Don't move quickly, but do not rush. I don't have a virtual only membership per se, but I do offer packages that are virtual only. So um, the same as I would offer uh, if you are coming in person, there's uh, packages that you can get or monthly unlimited that you can get that is uh, virtual only. Awesome. It's, a, it's an interesting question because you know, there are so many ways a virtual membership could be shaped, right? Um, and I think for us, what we've made an active decision that we don't want to get into the business of content in a can quite yet. There's too many national, international players that do it really, really well. We're never gonna be able to compete with them. But this concept of live and local, I know this person, they're in my community, they teach and serve people that I know. That is where I think great value comes in virtual membership. And our decision-making when we launched our virtual program do we sell it as an add-on? Do we have it as a standalone? Um, or do we simply include it in the membership? The conclusion we came to was that it had at least equal value in our mind to coming to the club to take a class because of its live and local nature. So our strategy was to keep it included in membership. Um, and so from my perspective, that's helped dramatically as 30% of our visits who are taking group exercise classes are still paying their full membership dues. That's a significant part of my dues line right now. And I'd be concerned if I was to offer a virtual only membership at a different or lower rate, lower in particular, that would actually reduce my revenue stream. Um, so I think separating this concept of live and local versus content in a can is an important consideration great. when figuring out your strategy. That's great. That's a great point because, you know, I, I think it's one of the most important points that all the people listening should take away that we're, we're all emphasizing. And I'm going to give you a clear example. So we're HVLP, right? Content in a can is the only way to go. We are not known for programming. Okay? It's not like probably Tiffany's model or certainly Scott's where there's this big, this live and local thing works because there's these very strong relationships with your instructors. They don't want to see someone they don't know. They want to see someone they know. We don't really have most of our clubs offering classes, right? So that doesn't make any sense for us. What makes sense for us is, hey, if I partner with Fitness On Demand, Wex or Les Mills, what do they have? Beautiful content. At least my member can go, and if I price it properly, maybe I'll try this instead of Apple, 
right? But we have, we do have an offering in that space. So I think you really have to think through, as Scott said, who are we, who's our customer, and what are our goals? Like, am I, is this a profit-driven initiative in, it, in its own? Is this, is this something I'm using to retain customers, build value? You really want, really want to take some time with your whole team and consider what you're trying to accomplish because it, that, that should guide all your decisions, right? It, once you answer those questions, then you can make decisions on what am I going to do and all that good stuff. Yeah, and I agree with Greg. I think that, you know, we, we run a, an HVLP 2.0 model. So we still have the low price. We add a third tier that's really heavy on personal training, team fitness. And, and so we looked at it and said, we really want to drive people to our top tier membership plan. And so if we include our virtual programming in our top tier only, now it's something that can drive revenue, but isn't a standalone product. And so I really think again, Greg, to your point that a lot of it just depends on your model and on your offerings, those content in a can can work for some. And I look at that more as, you know, those Apple fitness, the, the Wexer, the Peloton, whoever it may be as a great opportunity for them. And when I say them, I mean, members to wet their lips, if you will, in order to then, you know, see if they like virtual content so that when they join our gym, they now want to participate in our more hyper-localized version of our virtual content where they can have that, you know, same experience with our live instructors, or if they go virtual, they can still engage with those people that, you know, they're engaging with on club at club or on social media. And it's fun. You see the members, they come in and they, they told the instructor, Hey, I took your class on, on Monday in, in person. And then I took it again on Wednesday from home. And it just creates more engagement, both inside and outside the club. And it makes, a, makes it a really fun experience. Yeah, I, I just to tag on and then go on from here. Notice how he talked about his, he knows what his goal was, right? So his goal was building value in a membership. If that's your goal, then you don't charge for it, guys, right? What, like, okay, that's a goal. If that's either important to you or it's okay. You say, that's not my goal. You know, that, that's not my goal. If, if you're trying to retain members, I mean, I, I think for everyone listening, what I believe is if you do not create a virtual offering pretty soon, you are losing members because of it. potential and existing members. I really believe that. So it, it, everybody needs to do something, but then exactly what you do again goes back to that same thing. What are your goals? And then what is your model? Who is your customer? Mary or Tiffany, were you guys going to say anything or add anything? I have several things to comment on, and it's just kind of, again, from our own perspective, but um, when we closed, we obviously were not doing anything in person. Uh, we were still, you know, having trainers connect virtually, having our small group training program participants connect virtually. We used Wexer as a way to keep members. So we were offering virtual content to them to salvage the membership. In other words, don't give up on us. We're going to get through this. Don't cancel your membership. We need you right now. So we used Wexer in that regard. We've continued it on, and obviously it's servicing um, our members that are not ready to return kind of full blow. Um, another thought to the conversation is just, we have chosen not to discount our virtual services. Greg, I guess just kind of how we're wired, like our personal training, we're still charging the same rate as if that client was seeing their, their trainer in person. Same thing for small group training. Um, we just feel like the, the expert has not lost any of their expertise. And so we are continuing to charge the rate that was established, obviously, pre-COVID. Um, and then on a grander scheme, and I know it sounds like 
several of you probably have the capacity to do this just as you offer so much in regards to programming. This forced Cooper uh, to really think about how do we reach people outside of our four walls? In other words, yes, we love our members. We're going to pull them back in. We're trying to, to service them right now at all possible. But how do we create a Cooper membership that encompasses our entire campus? So it's something where we offer fitness, we offer nutrition, we offer access to kind of the concept of, of preventive testing from afar, right? Um, so that's become more of a global effort that's kind of taken our look at the virtual option up a notch just from our fitness center perspective. And now it's become our campus perspective. So just some thoughts and kind of listening to everybody, I thought maybe some good things to just share and throw in and love to hear what you guys have to say. That was that, that made so much sense to me, Tiffany, because you are, I mean, let's be honest, you're the highest of high-end brands, right? Right. So, I mean, there are, there's different, it's no different than a hotel or anything else. There's segments. It's not about good or bad. Yeah. It's about, and for you, I, that totally makes sense to me, right? Mm -hmm. Like, why would you do that? Because your discounting is not something kind of luxury high-end brands should probably do, right? right? It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't, because it devalues your existing offering, right? Yeah. So you don't want to do that. And that's why it, it, you know, this really becomes complex because it's not one size fits all. Yeah. It really yeah. is not. When I, I wanted to just touch base on that too. I mean, Scott, you said you were doing uh, telemedicine now as part of your uh, your nutritional offerings there. And, and I imagine you didn't discount that. I know that when I do telemedicine with my doctor, you know, at home, they don't discount my fees. I pay the same amount in insurance. And I would encourage that as fitness professionals or as, you know, personal trainers, or whatever, you, you understand that you do have a value and that you don't want to, you know, undercut yourself. So when we offered our virtual personal training, we partnered with Lyft brands and it created a really great, uh, a great product where we felt that it actually gave as much, if not more value to our personal training program. They have the opportunity to put grids on the screen and you can do posture analysis virtually. You can draw lines on there, create virtual equipment. You can do all sorts of things. We also found that during the pandemic, you know, a lot of parents had to stay home. We had um, some of our trainers are, are full-time moms as well. And, and they needed to have an opportunity to be home with their kids to help with the in-home schooling. And it offered them an ability to stay employed by us and continue to train their clients and do so at home. And so if we were to say our virtual product is, is cheaper or our personal training as a virtual service is cheaper, it's going to undercut them, make them not make as much money. And then when they come back in, is the client going to be willing to pay as much? And so we really saw that our virtual pricing needed to reflect what we, we felt the, the value of what was being offered. So if our training was just as good virtually, then it needed to be priced as such. Yeah, Tiffany, I know you're coming from a different perspective as a small business owner and, and a super niche concept. So any, any thoughts that you're having hearing from the other panelists? Um, yes, actually, that's actually what I was going to say. <laughs> coming from a small business um as far as the pricing goes i actually do have a difference uh in the price with coming in person and virtually mm -hmm. but that's something that works for me that's something that i've seen that works for, for my community and the people that have come in i have also considered the impact that um this pandemic has had on people just, just from interacting with clients and speaking to them one-on-one -on -one in person and whether it be virtually you know after a session and we're just having conversations so I do have that different perspective, but again, I'm a smaller business and I do have sort of a niche uh, um, 
family of people that I do do work with. Um, I also have an, inter an interesting perspective because my company works with a trampoline. So if you are at home and you do not have the trampoline, that's an additional thing that you need to purchase um, to have in home. So I also consider that perspective of it. They are spending more money to actually purchase the trampoline and then you know take the class with us too. So that's a completely different perspective um, on that one as well. Also, as far as um, just to like our listeners, as far as going virtual, if you do not have virtual, what it has done for myself and Trampoline Trim, I now have a global platform. Whereas before I've done this, I am a small business, but you know, now I have clients coming in from London or I have clients coming in from different countries now. So it's just a really interesting um, journey with transitioning from brick and mortar, small business in person, where I had this small community of like my ride or dies um, and then just expanding that to like a global platform now, so. I think yeah. Tiffany touched on something really important and that was know who you serve, right? And she says, yeah. I serve this, this niche of people. This was my community. I know that I had to charge this because they also have to have this equipment. You know, we had the luxury with our personal training clients that they could come in and we could give them some of our extra group fitness, you know, barbells and dumbbells and weights they couldn't we couldn't offer group fitness as part of our organ mandates and so we could give that equipment to those clients that wanted to train at home so they had equipment that doesn't necessarily work for everybody and so i think the the big thing that tiffany said you know that we that resonates with all of us and hopefully hopefully with all of our listeners is know who you're trying to serve know your clientele and just you know understand who who your member base your membership base is yeah. And then Tiffany, I am curious because, you know, you talked about the challenges of, you know, trampolines are the basis of your um, exercise program. But, um, you know, and obviously not everyone has a trampoline at home, but you did tailor the programming. And didn't you make a, an option of for yes. what they could do if they didn't have a trampoline? Absolutely. Absolutely. So two things to that. So I do have a partnership with Jump Sport Fitness, which is the, the actual manufacturers of the trampoline. So if you are doing virtual with me, I do have a, a promotion code that you could use where you can get the trampoline um, at a lower rate if you are purchasing from our website. So that's one end of it. But then the other aspect of it, because again, I'm thinking of the clients at, at home, whether you have a trampoline or not, I do kind of give modifications both on and off the trampoline. So when I'm training uh, virtually, you'll see me both on the trampoline and then I'll literally step off the trampoline if we're doing high knees or something. This is how we would do it off of the trampoline. So um, it is a unique way. Um, it does take a lot of focus on the programming end of it to kind of understand the workout that you're giving to the customer so that when they receive it, whether if they do not have a trampoline, they can still get that uh, really good workout in. So, but I have kind of um, with myself and my instructors kind of train them in a way that when we do teach this, we're on and off the trampoline consistently and it flows well so that the person that doesn't have a trampoline still feels like they're getting that really good workout in. And that has actually worked for me. That has actually worked very well for me. Um, the only difference is the, the impact. And I explained that as well, that when you're on a trampoline, there's about 30% less impact than when you're not on the trampoline. But you know, here are the modifications. Here's what you can do. Here's what you shouldn't do, uh, so on and so forth. So I've tailored it to work for the client that does have the trampoline as well as the client that does not. That's awesome. Yeah, and someone from the audience is curious um, if non-members can buy the packages that you referenced earlier. Do they need to be a member of Trampoline Trim in order to take no, advantage? Absolutely not, absolutely okay. not. If you go to our website, trampolinetrim.com um, and look at our bundles tab, 
right there, you can go ahead and, and purchase one of the bundles there. You do not have to be a member. Um, we have bundles, I think we have a four class pass, an eight class pass, and then we have a re reoccurring one, which you can cancel at any time. So if you buy the re reoccurring one, that's, that's the most bang for your buck, essentially. Um, but then you, you have the, the lighter ones where you can do our double bounce, which is buy two classes and just try us out or go for, you know, unlimited, <laughs> jump in with us. You know, okay. I want to I add to that because that, this opens up a door. If we have a platform that allows us to not only give members digital access to our classes because they're paying a membership, if the platform can also allow people to pay per use, then that opens up a door for us to enter. I think of it as the boutique world, right? The boutique world has changed the way that consumers want to and feel they should be able to consume our products. Historically, we're a membership-driven industry. We've always been that way. And many, many folks think we're always going to be that way. And to some degree, that might be the case. But I think there are many consumers out there who want to consume our products differently. And if we have really quality group exercise experiences um, that are boutique quality, and we have the ability now to allow our local residents or non-local residents or the snowbirds that are down in Florida in the wintertime instead of up here in Maine to access a class just paper as you go. That's a new revenue stream and a new funnel to bring in potential members. Oh, great point. I think also too, with the world of virtual training and even just the, I guess the advancement of web use in general, right? I, I feel like our society is shifting towards um, a less commitment oriented style. Like in other words, we want to customize everything. We want to be able to dip, like Scott said, I want to use this, this, and this, but I don't want the full package. I just want what I want to choose. So we do have a drop-in option here. And I know probably every one of you guys do where you allow the consumer to just essentially accentuate their current workout routine, whatever it may be. They either drop in virtually, they drop in in person, but they don't have to commit to a larger package, et cetera. That's been an interesting thing for me to see over the course of the last year of how the consumer seems to have shifted in regards to being able to more demand what they want and how they want it. And I think the, the businesses therefore have to be a little more nimble, right? To be able to kind of understand what that is and then offer ways for people to get engaged in a way that they might find it's, you know, it's attractive to them. Yeah. And I think what you, what you bring up brings another thing that I tell all listeners who are looking at this category saying, how do I get in? One of the things you have to think about at the appropriate time is what is the platform I am using to market, sell, schedule, deliver, and measure the business, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of good platforms out there. You do not have this plat. It's not, if you don't look for it, you don't have it. Because you're going to run into a lot of problems if you start running volume, right? There's things that you, you still have a payroll. How do you manage that? Where does that come from? How do you get people into a free trial? For us, free trials are huge. I think for most boutiques, it's try before you buy, right? Most people are not going to plunk down money without trying something. How does yeah. that work? Where does all that happen, right? And when they come in, to Scott's point, to me, I want a platform where you really like Jim go for this live sessions. Good. There's a couple others where I can create an offering any way I want. I mean, any combination of fixed number of sessions, recurring services, what have you. And then I want to be able to look and measure all that and look at participation. If I'm, if I'm really pushing virtual, I want to, I want a way to bonus my staff 
for high levels of performance. I have to be able to measure and see all the KPIs related to this business. It's a business, yeah. right? It's another business. How are you measuring it, right? And it's not just the end goal of profit. What are the steps that need to happen to get to that? For us, I know, for example, free trials, huge. How many people are taking advantage of the free trial? How do I get them into the funnel? How many people are closing? If they're, if, if not enough, what's, what's wrong? You know, so I've got to be able to isolate the problem and work on that. So I tell people that I think to do this properly, you're talking about a real digital ecosystem, right? You've got your members management software, CRM, you've got all these things. Right. You really need to bring your whole team in and think big, or you're going to come up with an offering and change it and change it and change it and change it. And you're going to get stuck in a corner because you don't have the technology to, to deliver on these things. So it, it, it's not, there's a lot of consideration here and I don't think it's one and done. We meet every single week. It's a half hour, every department head on this subject, nothing else. No, 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 we're not talking about anything else. <laughs> Just this business because it's so much, right? Marketing, where are we at with this? Me, where are all, all those things? You know, we know that this is not gonna go away. It, it's just not going away. Yeah. Ryan, right. Greg, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Landon. Just say, I think, you know, Greg, you talk about it from the business aspect, and, and Mary, you were mentioning it more from the consumer aspect. And for me, I look at two things that are to, to consider as both the operator and the consumer is that it needs to be easy in, needs to be easy out for the customer, right? If you look at Disney Plus, Netflix, any of these things, now you just get on, you put your credit card in, you, you hit log in. When you're done, you hit cancel. There's no, you know, 30 days notice or whatever. You don't have to go into the club to do it. And I think for our virtual offerings, we have to think about how we can mimic these really successful ones. Like why reinvent the wheel, right? You know, how how easy is it for members to join Disney Plus, to, do, to join uh, Netflix? And I know when, when I got on, when Disney Plus came out, it didn't replace my Netflix. It just became an addition too. And part of that was, it was just so easy and, and so fun. And I look at like our digital offerings can be a lot like that. Is someone going to necessarily replace their gym membership with it? No, they may do an add-on or maybe they'll add it on to their Apple Plus or their Peloton or whatever it may be. But the consumer needs to have confidence in it's going to be easy to get in and it's going to be easy to get out if I need to. And if you think of it this way, guys, digital coaching is to me another whole thing that we haven't really talked about, right? So think about this for a second. If I'm interacting with you this way, one-on-one -on -one in particular, right? Can I coach you regardless of the tools that you have? Well, yes, I can. I just have to be willing to do that, right? And say, okay, I understand, Mary, that you want to do a class as part of your workouts. That's awesome. Let's talk about what class you're going to do, right? But to reach your goals, you also need to do these things, right? We need to open up the playbook, right? Because people have tons of tools. What do they need? Well, how do I use those tools? How do I put this together in a plan that fits my lifestyle? You know, it sounds trite, but I, I still think behind all this, so that's going to demand that we open our playbooks and think differently. And in an ideal world, it's what, it's what Landon said. It, it's not it's not either or. Let's talk about what combination of tools and services and programs we offer. They're going to help you to reach your goals and fit into your lifestyle. And using this as a tool of simplicity to make it easier for the customer and better for their experience. For example, you use the term coaching, right? Coaching is an incredibly important part of exercise adoption. 
And so if we have health coaches that are working with clients for 90 days to help engage them in the club and find the right programs, how inconvenient was it for the member to have to schedule a time with that health coach in the club? How convenient is it for us to say, let's set up a 15 minute Zoom call, when are you free? I'm here from blank to blank. And now we've made it more seamless and easier to engage in, in, with, with that new member or to intervene should they be having challenges that we want to help them overcome. Yeah, I think it's a huge deal what he said, because like I said at the beginning, this is not going away, guys. If you talk to me personally, just to Scott's point and say you have to go somewhere, I'm like, do I have to go? Because I don't want to go because I'm really busy. You know, I got all this stuff I got to take care of. Can we do it this way? Right. I, I really have become to prefer this in many, many ways. Um, so I, I don't think that that's an idle statement. I think that's something everyone on, the, on, on this call should really consider. And there's another little piece to this, which is the sales process. How many people are never coming into your club because they don't want to talk to a salesperson? So how easy digitally, virtually, is it for your potential members to join your club online? Better, better be real easy. It better be really, really easy. <laughs> and if I want a tour, that can be arranged or a consultation that can be arranged virtually at a later time. Right. So it's not just the actual programming while they're doing activities. It's the integration process. It's the sales process. It's the intervention process. And so there's so many avenues that we can use this medium for to increase the member experience and improve upon it so we can help them get what they actually came for. I think it's important for the listeners to understand as well as, you know, we're talking about a lot of different things here. And it's important to understand that you can just pick and choose the ones you want to grab. Right. Like, do you want to just have this content in a can. I really like that, that catchphrase there and just have that as part of your app. Or do you want to offer, you know, virtual personal training consultations? And I think the more you offer, the more complex it will be. But I also want to encourage, you know, people to understand that it is going to be here. And so at least start with something, right? It doesn't have to be this big complex offering right off the bat. Like just start with, you know, streaming your workouts live on Facebook or Instagram. Maybe that's all it is to start, but that's a virtual offering and it can be simple or it can be very complex. It just depends on your size of business, what you want to offer, and the team you have to support you, uh, you know, behind you. To Greg's point, he's got a large team and they meet you know, 30 minutes a week with each department about this. Does everyone have that? Some people do and some people don't. And Greg said from the very beginning, it's going to depend on your model. It's going to depend on your brand. And you know, I'd say the resources behind you as well. Tiffany, is there anything that you'd add? Yeah, um, to Landon's point, not only the resources behind you, but also um, if it is a business that you're starting within a business, what is it that you actually enjoy doing? I know uh, I'll give an example for myself. When I did have to transition to the virtual world, if I'm being completely honest, it was it was somewhat difficult for me because I have I'm a person that has a lot of energy. I give a lot of energy and I feed off of the energy that is given back to me. So having to make that shift because it is a business, because it is this is something that I have to do, it was difficult for me. So I had to kind of fine tune my delivery, and which is why I'm very thankful that now we have. Um, in-person classes now. So I'm, I'm kind of doing that hybrid where I still am giving what um, I need to give to the, to the customer, but also feeding myself with knowing what I need for myself, right? So 
what I mean by that, maybe live streaming is um, something that, that works for you, meaning doing a live class or you know setting up a live one-on-one, -on -one, but maybe not. Maybe you, you, do, you need to do the pre-recorded content and have everything you know, set up on an on-demand platform where you, know, you can dish out that content because you don't necessarily like doing the live. So it, it just kind of depends. So understanding, I think, what it is that you enjoy and love to do for yourself, which is the entire reason you actually started your business, um, I think that will help with the authenticity of that, that relationship that you have with the client on the other end as well. Great point. Right. Tiffany, that's, Tiffany, that's great. I, I talked to one of our trainers the other day that's doing a lot of virtual training actually for one-on-one -on -one clients. And she made the comment, she's like, I feel like I'm mine. She's like, I'm like using hands because our, <laughs> our trainers are so used to demonstrating and physical movement. And so it was a complete shift for them, right? They've had to learn how to communicate concisely. They've had to learn how to probably, um, probably change the way they use their energy, just like you did, or find energy, right? Because you know, if you put a trainer in a seated position in about three minutes, they're going to go to sleep, right? So it was just a really interesting kind of transition for our staff. And, and I will say this from an operator's perspective, don't underestimate that they know how to make that transition and make it well, right? Wow. They are used to being in person. And so spend some time. If you haven't already, you need to get on that quickly. Spend some time with them and talk through just some of the, the details with virtual training, right? How to position the camera, the technology, how to think about talking and cueing very concisely, you know, have some sort of small equipment item in the space, we need to be able to provide some sort of demonstration. Um, there was a, a kind of a whole list of things that we kind of fell upon, I guess, for lack of a better term, right? Because we were all kind of forced into virtual training, but the, the trainer in you, Tiffany, or the trainer in me and in our staff, we really had to kind of adapt quickly to what we were professionally used to doing for years. I, I, I tell you too, to pick up on a point you said, Mary, there's tools. I know that Landon knows Lift Session. You have to take a look at Lift Session. I would take a look at Gym Go. Okay, you can actually have um, build the whole workout. So instead of you demoing the whole time, they're seeing with a countdown timer, for example, the exercise. That guys, if that sounds like a small deal, it ain't a small deal. It's a huge deal because that frees me up if I'm in small group. By the way, that's 12 or less. You can't. You can't. It's not interactive if it's any more than that. So if I've got six people and I can see all of you and you're watching something, I can talk to Mary and say, hey, Mary, I want you to drop those dumbbells and pick up the lighter set, right? That gives me time because if I don't have that person, what I see a lot of folks doing for live classes is they have three people in the room. Why are they doing that? Because when you have a big, there's, you know, there's the standard group exercise, right? The instructor, easy, hard, right? Guys, when you start thinking about that, watch your payroll. It, it just exploded, right? So you, you, the platform you choose is very, very important for this thing. And I know, Landon, you can jump in with Lift Session. It is an amazing platform. So is Jimgo. And it, 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 I, I'm sure you guys are seeing that, right, Landon? Yeah. And, and I, you know, just to kind of say what you're saying, Greg, and also Mary, I think that part of it is, was it easy to just as a coach, you know, my, my training background, I was a trainer for 16 years. Is it easy to go straight from in-person? This is how you correct form, you know, <laughs> to, Hey guys, now I want you to do the movement like this. And it's not easy. And you have to coach the, the staff on how to do that and having the right program and the right tools, you know, at your disposal, disposal makes it a lot easier 
for your trainers and your team to make that transition. But you do have to coach it as well, to Mary's point, because, you know, as Tiffany said, you want this to be authentic. If it doesn't feel authentic and it doesn't feel like the trainer or the, the brand even wants to offer virtual, it's never going to be successful. You know, and for us, we looked at it and said, you know, we're not a virtual company. Like, do I think it's going to be around forever and ever and ever? Yes, I do. Do I want to have it as part of my business forever? Yes, I do. Is it my main business? No, it's not. Right. And so our big thing is we want to bring the virtual in play with our brick and mortar. And so those things have to, they have to match. We have to say, how do I break down the walls between virtual and break down the walls between brick and mortar and make it one big thing? whether that's bringing clients in from the, from the world who never would come into a gym or, you know, giving our current members more offerings, or it's just giving our, our employees another platform. We look at it as saying it doesn't matter as long as it's one ecosystem that works together and it's authentic and our team knows how to do it. That's the key. Yeah. And, you know, you made an interesting comment there, Landon, which was giving our employees another tool. And think about scaling and our ability as an industry to serve people, right? We do it in a multitude of ways. We have self-service access to equipment. We have group exercise, which is follow me, left two, three, right two, three. And then we have small group training, which is kind of a marriage between personal training and group exercise. And all of that requires the employee's time. It's direct time with a member face-to-face. -face. But how about we use this digital technology to scale our time so that I can take the content in a can and customize it and deliver it to a member over and over again in different ways that is customized to them, but I'm not with them face to face while they're doing the exercises. I'm giving them the exercise to do with videos, different platforms. That's like, what we're doing, Scott. That's exactly what we're exactly, doing. Exactly, like Trainerize or which we're yep. just launching or there's other platforms out that do this. And it's, it's again, it's another product line. So instead of paying 80 bucks an hour once or twice a week, now a client can pay $100 a month and get two to four custom workouts each month that is delivered on the app. And you have to have it right. And you have to have the app and the platform there's trainer size in our case it's yeah, virtual right. gym i can see everything you're doing so i'm going to meet with you up front the way i always do right yeah and we're going to we're going to try to sell you what we'd like to sell you right but everyone can't afford personal training you can't right? particularly in our model it's a discount model right sure. so you know someone's paying you 10 to 29 a month to say hey listen it's just another 250 a month they fall off the chair right mm -hmm. so you, you you've got to but being able to say, hey, this is 89 or 99 a month, and, and here's what's going to happen. We're going to meet once a month, yeah. either digit, you know, this way, but the rest of the time, don't worry. You're going to be using the app. I'm going to show you to do that. Here's your nutrition plan. Here's this, and I'm going to be coaching you digitally. That's something that fits an HVLP model. What does not fit an HVLP model, for example, is what Mary's doing, because we're not Mary. Right. Like right. We, she has this cadre of very highly skilled um service providers we do not so trying to get, you know like trying to do that for us would be a mistake and then it would devalue for her to do what we're doing her customer would probably go oh, this isn't doing it for me. you know but for that guy so I, I really think as as we you know as you go through this and everyone listening you really have to start with that who are you who's your customer how old you know we have an 18 to 39 year old population how easy is an app for them? Oh my Lord, they, they're teaching me how to do it. That, by the way, that's the same people that work for us, right? So there's a really, we can throw technology at them pretty quickly and they're like, got it. Sure. Uh, that's not true in every environment, you know, it's yeah. just not.
And, and there's a potential triple win right there. There's the new product line for the business that generates revenue on a customized content delivery platform. There's the trainer who we want to be able to keep and help grow in a career who can now leverage their time. Because as I get good at and I create all these workouts and this content, I can now provide it in two minutes instead of an hour. And I can serve four or to 10 people in an hour that I used to only spend one person's time with. So, and from a member perspective, think about that 80% that we talked about earlier that we're not serving. Self-service doesn't work for them. They don't have the motivation, inspiration, education, knowledge, or drive or resilience, but they're not going to afford personal training. It's just too much. And so, they're not coming to the club. And they're not coming to the club. So what's the solution? And this content delivery becomes that, that really nice medium solution. If that's going to be part of your package, then wouldn't that be a nice add-on for that group of people who are looking for support, can't afford personal training, can't do self-service, it's a new product line. So uh, I think that's another one on. of these options. Go ahead, uh, Brandon. I was just going to say, I want to touch on something that you, that you mentioned, and that was, you know, what are we doing to provide this for our staff? We've talked this whole time about, you know, the customer, but I think an important thing to understand is without, you know, tailoring this a little bit to our staff, we're never going to serve our customer the way we want, right? It's always customer first, customer first, customer serve. But the reality of it is, is we have to make sure our people are set up to put the customer first. Right. And so whether that's providing a, a service that allows our trainers to grow on another level so they don't then want to go leave and do it on their own or our group instructors the same way. Or for us, we had group instructors that moved to another state during the pandemic. You know, husbands and wives got different jobs and they had to move. And we said, you know, by us offering virtual, you can stay employed with us because you'll just teach virtually. Mm -hmm. Right. Or something that makes it easier for our front desk staff to interact, interact with the team or or our managers, you know, now our managers can meet with someone via Zoom if they have to, you know, and so I think it's important to understand not only how does this virtual strategy affect our customers, but how can it better the lives and reduce the stress of our employees? And if we put that first, I don't think that whatever strategy you offer is going to go bad. If you focus on how this can impact your business internally and how you can make it better for your team, that in turn is going to create a positive impact for your customers. I agree. Awesome stuff, guys. You've got you've made my job extremely easy today, <laughs> so I appreciate that. Um, real quick, we only have a few more minutes. I do want to ask: Do any of you plan on um, adding a position at, in your company um, that's directly responsible for virtual fitness, or you know, designating a person to be responsible for that? That's a great question. For me, um, I'm exploding because this is one responsibility as the you know 170 clubs i'm in charge of all fitness services and i have other folks working with me fortunately but to your point i'm sucking up more and more time for marketing folks and things like that because when you start interacting digitally with people what happens they start interacting with you digitally right so there's a, like i'll get off this call i'll jump on my email i'll look at the app and go wow you know, I, 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 and it's not hard, but to your point, it, it's going to take time as you expand, as you expand in this area. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's something that we're going to, I'm going to have to end on this too. There's going to be yeah. no choice. Yeah. Well, we only have a couple minutes. So um, I'd like to wrap up and give each of you the opportunity to, you know, if you could give your, uh, the biggest or most important thing that you've learned um, over the last 12 months in your digital and virtual journeys, what would, you know, what would you share with the audience? And um, Landon, let's start with you. 
Yeah, I think uh, my last comment pretty much summed it up, which is make it good for your team. Make sure your team is not stressed because of it. Make sure that it helps reduce the stress and increases, you know, growth within, you know, their ability to grow within the company as well. Um, I think if you do that, the customer is then going to fill that and they're going to want to buy into your virtual content as well. Additionally, I think the other thing to really understand is how does your virtual complement your brick and mortar? And then how do you break down the walls between so that it's not two separate businesses, but one that feeds each other, right? And so if we, if we look at the employees and making sure they're satisfied and we look at the customer working both within virtual and brick and mortar um, businesses, I think that you'll be successful whatever your offerings are. Love it. What about you, Tiffany? What's the biggest thing you've learned that would be helpful for other operators? I would say um, be ready to adapt. Um, this is a new world that we're entering. This is a new thing that we're approaching. So while we may have been very successful in one area, um, just be ready to adapt to the changes and, and the things that are, are to come with this new virtual world that we're in. Um, there's a, a learning curve for me that I've definitely had to take on um, going from in-person into everything virtual, not only a learning curve with that, but I am a small business. I'm a fairly new business. So just me being able to adapt and open to learning the new things as opposed to what I had set in mind um, was a, a major, major thing for me. And then be open to um, other people helping <laughs> for lack of a better word. I know that sounds so simple, but um, again, I'm speaking from a small business perspective in which a lot of the onus is on me and maybe the, the, my, my small team, but just be open to um, adapting and allowing other people to help in and come in with their take on this new world that we're in. Yeah, love it. Great advice. Mary, what about you? What would you say? No, I agree with Landon. I guess I, I my, Parting words would be coming from my operator side, uh, where you know my initial goal and job when we kind of went into lockdown and then obviously reopened was to help my team get back on their feet. And my job was to make training, whether it be virtual or in-person as easy as possible. So we've provided spacing for virtual training. We've provided a platform for them to use. We obviously are talking through how to do it best, right? How to remain and look professional um, we've even allowed our trainers to go and do in-home and continue servicing clients that they saw in the club before. So that's my, my biggest takeaway is just don't underestimate the power of that fitness professional to want to stay connected with, with clients, but also to continue working. They love what they do. They love impacting people in a positive way. And if you can pave the way for them to continue doing that in kind of this new uncharted world that we're entering, I think you'll, you'll see your business rebound and you'll have happy staff, which in turn equates to a happy customer. Yeah, definitely. Greg, any final pieces of advice? I tag on to what Landon was saying. In, when I look at what is the most important thing, if your team doesn't get behind this and that's everybody, you're going to have a problem. Um, so you know, for us, the thing to get it to really, we have 170 clubs. So we're, there's clubs that are doing better with it than others, right? So what's, what's the difference? The clubs that are doing better, they've got buy-in awareness from the whole team. The team, to Landon's point of view, are using these digital features themselves and they like them. So, you know, Mary, the front desk girl can just say to someone, you haven't tried that? Oh my gosh, I use it all the time. Here, let me show you. It becomes very natural if you personally use it for your benefit. It, you know, it's, it doesn't feel salesy. It just feels like, 
oh my gosh, let me show you this on the app. It's really cool. Let me, have you not taken a virtual class? Well, let me show you how to do it. And that, that's probably been the biggest, most important thing to being successful at the club level. Awesome. Perfect. All right, Scott, bring us home. Gosh, a few things. First of all, uh, think back a year ago and, and where you are now and how much you've learned, how quickly you've changed, how adaptive your organization has been in this past 12 months. And I think in the future, we're going to need to continue to change as quickly as the consumer's demands for us change. I think there's, there's one thing we didn't talk about today, which this is the, the major caveat to live streaming and fitness on demand with music. The licensing issue is still a major question mark. Uh, licensing agencies are not structured to deal with us yet. Peloton was the first example of our industry getting whacked. It's going to happen again. We need to be ready for that. But right now, the solution from a small club, frankly, doesn't exist. So it's a problem without a solution. So that's one. Two, it saved us. Without virtual, I think there's many clubs that would not be in place today. And I think it's given us the ability to, A, serve more people than we formerly were able to serve in a way that is more convenient for them. And in so doing, we've created additional revenue streams which diversify the, the strength of our business, but also give us a chance to increase our revenue streams. So for me, it's been a wonderful, challenging lesson, but I think it's going to help our industry become more essential and break that 20% barrier that we've been fighting for so many years. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for sharing your expertise, um, insights, experiences. Super appreciated. Um, thanks to the audience for taking the time to watch today. And uh, thanks again to our sponsor, Intellivideo. So everyone have a great rest of your day. Bye. Yeah. Bye.